Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of I'm Not a Fan Unless I Have a Podcast. I'm John Hanford, and uh, you know, this episode, like I said with the la- with, in the intro to the last one, stuff is slowly but surely getting better. Uh, we're, we're starting to see a few changes, a few... Uh, a few concessions made by cities and and localities, um, as you know, as as stuff pertains to uh, to their policing um, of their communities. Like it seems as though shit's going to get done, uh, and I think it's also really important to note that uh, since everything has started to shift pretty dramatically in the last two weeks, um, don't fucking take the foot off the gas. Um, we need to keep this momentum going because, you know, if like we're not going to achieve racial equity uh, with just a few preliminary concessions. That's just, you know, that's a term that I just came up with. Uh, and and I, I maybe it's not even a term, but that's just the first thing that came to mind. And I think it works. It sticks with me. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's important to... Um, to keep the pressure on, keep having uncomfortable conversations with people about race. Um, and look, I know just how difficult that can be. Um, I'm guilty of it myself. Um, like in the last week or so, I'm guilty of it. Like I've chosen not to have these conversations just because yeah, sometimes in the moment I do cower probably more often than not. Um, I'm still new to this whole, uh, fight for, uh, social justice and, and, and racial equity. It's, you know, not that I've been against it ever. Um, I just, uh, there, there were a lot of things that I found to be sort of, um, problematic with the, with the initial fight for social justice, just in that a lot of it seems to be, um, rooted in, or there's a lot of, I don't know. I, I see it as kind of a Venn diagram with, uh, with social justice and then also cancel culture, um, which I am generally against. Um, I mean, unless it's, you did something that's fucking terrible and impossible to come back from, but, um, you know, there's, uh, but just in seeing the video of, of George Floyd, um, and just countless other videos, uh, I, realize like okay maybe um maybe i shouldn't be worried about my own uh first amendment rights or you know first amendment rights in general if uh they're all basically bullshit anyway like we what what good are any constitutional rights if a certain group of people aren't gonna be allowed to to really have them you know so yeah that's where i'm at in this and so i'm new I just went to my first protest, uh, last weekend and, um, yeah, that was, that was pretty terrifying at first. Um, just because it was only because I had an anxiety attack before I left my house and, uh, just cause I've never been to a protest before. Like it was, uh, I didn't know what to expect exactly. You know, I figured it would be peaceful cause I'm in a small town out in the desert with a lot of hippies. Uh, and a lot of, uh, artists and musicians and, you know, just like really authentic old school hippies and beatniks. Uh, it's, you're it, just wonderful people. Um, but despite that, I still had a ton of anxiety going and, it, you know, and, and it stayed with me. Like it took me about 
I don't know, 15, 20 minutes to really loosen up at this protest. And uh, <laughs> like, it, it was so weird the whole time I'm, I'm there, like, or the first 10, 15 minutes I'm there, I'm, I'm talking with a, with, with a, an acquaintance I, I, I saw uh, there and, and she was just like, Hey, uh, you know, is this your first protest? I was like, yeah. She was like, ah, welcome. Congrats. And I was like, yeah, this is, uh, this is more uncomfortable than losing my actual virginity. Like it was, uh, um, but then like we left and once that happened, then, uh, all of a sudden I started, uh, like leading the chance and <laughs> simply because like of, of the way my voice carries and it's strong and I inflect and, um, all of a sudden I, I went from being like this, uh, you know, from I went from having a, a bit of an inferiority complex to all of a sudden I'm the fucking leader of Black Lives Matter Joshua Tree. So wild. Uh, <laughs> um, but it, it's uh, you know so it, it's it's good to find humor, obviously. Um, but it also did feel really good just joining joining in the fight and seeing all just seeing all these people around me that were. Uh, you know, speaking up for the same cause. Uh, and look, I live in a pretty, um, in a pretty conservative area. Like I think, um, I think the County I'm in has Republican leadership and everything. And, um, but despite that we had, uh, it was probably about like 60, 50, 50 to 60% of the cars that went by on this, you know, major highway were honking in support. Uh, only one guy honked and stuck his middle finger out the, out of sunroof. But you know, that's one out of like, I don't know, probably 300 cars that drove by in an hour. Um, and if it's, and, and then in addition to two other, uh, uh, racists that drove by and, and yelled something. Um, so that's basically like 1% of the cars were racist. That's that's pretty good. And I'm sure like there was a very silent uh, minority, but um, but it was really cool to see uh, even in uh, a conservative area. uh, And there's a lot of, you know, this is a pretty logical uh, uh, relation that conservatism has more racists than liberalism. not saying it as a political statement, just saying it as a fact. Uh, anyway, I don't want to get too political. Um, we're focused on human rights here. Um, but it was, uh, like it is, it was fascinating to me that we had that many people in support, uh, even if the rest of their views aren't, you know, in, in line with, uh, with everything that, that we're protesting for, it's cool to at least see the dial change and to see uh, this. I, I would say it's a pretty dramatic shift in um, in consciousness. Uh, so it's very cool. Get go to a protest if you haven't been um, there. Like it, it'll if it'll make you really understand the uh, importance of community. Um, if somehow you don't have that already, but, uh, you know, I don't live your life. So we're going to get this episode right underway. Uh, my guest on this one is, uh, is this 
20, 21 year old kid, uh, uh, Corey, who lives in South Texas, just off the Mexican border. Uh, we had a really fun conversation, uh, just about, you know, about all things Giz. He's been a fan for a long time, uh, longer, about twice as long as I have. So, uh, I think you'll enjoy this and, uh, yeah, enjoy, be safe. Peace. podcast man of course thanks for having me yeah uh so so just a little bit about yourself uh where first of all you know where are you based out of how old are you um i'm in texas um in probably one of the most southern parts of texas um i'm about 30 minutes away from mexico um oh nice and uh yeah i'm 20 years old and uh yeah that's about it personally so. sweet so yeah right right on the border uh and uh so w- when did you um uh when did you first get into king is or like how how uh, what's the origin story yeah um i first got into them in 2014 so right around when they were releasing mind fuzz um and i discovered them through spotify um funny enough um, I was listening to the OCs on Spotify uh-huh. and uh, they, I was looking at the recommended cause they would have the recommended at the bottom. And um, it said King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. I'm like, wow, what a, what an interesting name. <laughs> and um, so I clicked on it and then my life was changed ever since. I think at that time they only had uh float along, fill your lungs, uh, oddments and 12 bar on there. Yeah. Um, they didn't have Willoughby's Beach or Eyes Like the Sky or anything like that. And they were just releasing Mindfuzz. So um, I instantly looked them up on YouTube and saw the music video for Cellophane. It was just a few days old at the time. And I was instantly hooked. Dude, that's sick. I, like, I, so, yeah, of the people that I've talked to so far, I think you're the, uh, like the most OG of, of the, uh, um, the fans I've talked with. Like, like in terms of when you got oh, yeah. started, that's, that's so yeah. cool. Like I, I envy that. Cause like, I didn't get into them until uh, like, I didn't hear about them until the end of 2017. Uh, so you got, so you got oh, to like, okay. you were in the know for like, you know, uh, quarters, paper mache and uh, uh, yeah. on like that's God, that, that that's insane. Like I would have loved to be around like, you know, when those were released, that must've been nuts. Yeah. It was, it's crazy looking back at it now, um, seeing how many years it's been, and especially with a band like King Wizard, how prolific they are. Um, these, I remember when, I guess, Paper Mache was coming out, I would look back at like 12 Bar and I'd be like, wow, this is so different. Like, um, they span so many genres in these albums that they have. 
and looking back at it now is even even more mind-boggling i guess yeah i mean yeah because because like i guess even in 2014 you could you could look at them and be like whoa these guys are just so all over the place but then you know it's like it's like what they released all these different sounds like in the seven albums or so since then or i i, I can't I, I can't do basic math but um it's <laughs> it's just insane i um so how, how did you get so like you're 20 so like that's pretty that's pretty young for uh um like the fact that you've basically been listening to them for six years like yeah so how, how did you get into psych music uh like like when you're you know 14 or younger or whatever yeah um where I live, especially, it's really uncommon um, because down here, it's kind of psych rock isn't a big thing at all down here. Um, yeah. Especially at that time. Um, but uh, one of my buddies, Wesley, he um, he listened to Temples. I don't know if you've heard of Temples. Yeah, I've heard um, of yeah, so we were really big into Pink Floyd in high school and in middle school. And uh, we heard Sun Structures when that album was first coming out. And we're like, oh, man, this sounds a little... It's very reminiscent of, like, Sid Barrett-esque Pink Floyd. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then so from Temples, we went into, of course, Tame Impala. Um, and Tame Impala was really the big, obviously the big thing at the time that we found. We're like, oh, man, this is the Holy Grail. Um, <laughs> of music now and uh, they're really what turned us on to psych rock um, more so than temples because sun structures it was it's psych rock um, but tame impala had more of the the psych aspect to it um, even right. more than temples did yeah, yeah and well, then, that's, uh, it sounds like a natural progression you know from pink floyd to temples to tame impala to get so. <laughs> yeah and then heard of ty siegel um you know bands like that um yeah yeah he's time. great and yeah and so i branched into the ocs got into that i'm like oh man there's you know like heavy garage psych also with the ocs and then into giz and then mr elevator and the brain hotel um and all those earlier bands as well so and then i got infatuated with the rest of the flightless lineup um at the time, it was very small also. Like, looking back at it, it was just, like, Orb, um, the Bay Rainbow were on it. Yeah. Um, but now it's grown a lot more, which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you know, that, that's one thing that I absolutely love about the band is just that they are self-managed and, and you know, they release their own stuff and, and basically invite all their friends and just anybody that they think is good and talented uh, to join the label as well like it's you know like like with leah senior for instance uh you know eric just found her at a like she was playing some small bar or, or coffee shop or something and he just really liked her sound and then you know now she's yeah. making great records and appearing on giz albums and, sh and shit like that so um yeah i i just love all the uh just how how much exposure they're getting um you know the entire uh, melbourne scene um but uh of of the Giz side projects, um, which ones have you uh, uh, like? Like, which one's your favorite? I guess. Um, that's a tough one. Because um, there isn't a wrong answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
I mean, I'm a sucker for the Murlocs. Um, Ambrose, Ambrose just has a special place in my heart. Um, and uh, as well as Pi-Pi. Pi-Pi is just, I love Pi-Pi. Um, I think those two are the top tier for me as far as their side projects. Um, I think Cook is just a genius. Me and uh, my buddy would always joke and say Cook is the real brains of the operation. He just lets Stu have all the credit. Yeah, I, I, I've kind of felt that way about him as well. He's um, like, like, like I always think of Cook as being like kind of the Seinfeld of uh, of King Giz, just because like all of his songs are just super specific, observational, like very much an outsider's view in into something, mm-hmm. and just taking like a totally different uh, take on it. Um, yeah. And and I, I just love how much he's able to do that with with the songs he writes for King Giz, but, but Pipe especially really gives, um, it, it sort of helps Giz make sense in a way to me. Um, just in, in that you hear all these crazy sounds and just sort of like these whimsical uh, riffs that, that Cook comes up with in Pipe Eye. It's just like, oh, wait, so that's sort of what that like flair is on King Giz. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um... Yeah, that's a perfect word to describe Pi Pi, I think, is whimsical um, and real just, I don't know, it's just such a unique sound that he has, and it's great. Some of the the bass lines, or a lot of the bass lines that it is in Pi Pi music is just really great, and it's just so bouncy, and he's just, he he makes a really special type of music, I think. Yeah. And like, it, it, it's one of those things, like the first Pipe Eye album that I listened to was Laugh About Life. And uh, that one, like, like, I just loved all the different, um, the different themes that he explored and everything and how he or- organized, you know, or- ordered it. But it was, ah, uh, um, oh, fuck, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit, uh-huh. I'm getting old, man. I'm I, like, I just turned 30. I, and I, I'm oh, already got, you know, early... Uh, no, but I've already got dementia, man. It's, it's bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man, I'll, I'll have to start running for president. Anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, switching gears to um, to something else. Like, uh, what? So, ha- have you been? Have you ever seen Giz live? Oh yeah, um, I've seen them twice. Nice. Uh, yeah, when was the first time you saw them? Uh, the first time was in 2017. Um, it was in Austin and it was about a week after they had released sketches. Um, Oh shit. Yeah. But but they were, yeah, we were, when we saw them, we're like, yeah, this is going to be really cool. We were all, obviously everybody was hoping they would play stuff from sketches. Um, but that didn't really happen. Uh, so they were still touring mostly murder of the universe, which is great because, in my personal opinion, uh, Murder of the Universe is the best album of 2017. Yeah, it's that. That's. Uh, I mean, it, it's it's. You can totally make that argument. Uh, it, you know, it, it's it's not my favorite, but it's like it, it is really good and just unique uh, album. Um, yeah. But it's interesting you mentioned uh, sketches and like wanting to hear stuff off that like right away because. Um, like it seemed to take a little while for sketches to really catch on with, uh, with the fan base, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. 
Um, I don't know why that was. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, that that album really did seem kind of underappreciated at the time. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know why, per se. I mean, I yeah, I I, I think it's like it might have been a little too jazzy for uh, for people's taste back then. Um, jazzy jazz. Yeah, like 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 a little, you know, because like it, they were really sort of stretching beyond where they went with uh you know like like with with the river um and uh you know so i i think that might have like you know caught a lot of people off guard um and like like i i know it took me a little while to warm up to it but uh, like like maybe a month after i first heard it i was like wait no this is actually pretty great <laughs> and uh yeah uh, and like now it's one of my all-time faves um yeah um but, uh, where in Austin did you see them? Uh, they played at the Mohawk in Austin. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. And that was a really cool experience because that venue is really intimate. Um, it's yeah, re- it's relatively small. Uh, we st- Have you ever been to that venue? <clears throat> um, I, I've been there. Yeah, I, I've been there once, but not in a, like 10-ish like years more. more yeah longer than that like i think 2008 was the last time i was there um but uh yeah, yeah. That, that 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 place is great i mean austin is full of of just really good venues and hopefully they reopen yeah um but yeah when we saw them in at the mohawk um they have that little um like upstairs part that you can still see the stage and uh yeah. we stood up there right on the railing and uh jason galea's projector we literally stood right next to it and it was one of the most nerve-wracking moments because you're just like oh shit if i touch this and it falls and it breaks then i i fucked up the entire show and jason galea is going to be pissed at me oh my god um, yeah that's a lot of pressure shit (laughs) yeah and um but thankfully nothing happened um and there were really good seats because or it wasn't seats we're standing but like that being a smaller venue was just really great yeah i mean that's like do you know roughly how many people that that room fits it's like i remember it being intimate but i i don't remember the exact dimensions of it um um i'm not sure i would say give it a google yeah that's what i'm doing right now literally um it says 150 (laughs) to 200 people holy yeah i i was just like because the mohawk is tiny but I didn't realize it's that is insane. You got to see him in a plate. That's really small. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, it was definitely really cool. And we got to, um, it was so small. And like, I really love that the layout there because um, there was the way you line up is like right in the front. And at the Mohawk, I guess there's not really a back door entrance. So the band had to yeah. load in from the front door. So as we were waiting, like the band was moving in and we got to talk to them for a little bit and like take pictures and meet them. It was really cool before the show. Yeah. Oh man. That's awesome. <clears throat> yeah. I really got cool. it. It's yeah. Like, like you see that, that's why I wish I got into them like way back, you know, before I really had anything going on, like, like, like 2014 would have been perfect. Like I was 24 at the time and just kind of like, you know, fucking around. I wasn't really exploring new music at the time. And, uh, <laughs> God, that would have been incredible. But um, yeah, so uh, 
Uh, what's when did you last see Gibbs? Uh, twenty eighteen. Um, that's when they played at Stubbs. Um, that was a really cool concert because it was really different. Uh, because Stubbs holds a lot more people, um, and it was just packed to the. We're just like, oh shit, you know they've really um, upgraded from seeing them last year at the Mohawk. And then now they're at Stubbs. <laughs> and I think they sold out the Stubbs show. And it was just a lot. Of I would imagine. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it was completely different, but it was really good. We didn't, that was a fun year to see them because um, they didn't really release any new material. Um, but that was the year of the represses. And uh, yeah, yeah we, that's were, right. we were all hoping, you know, they'll play. Um, they were playing um, older songs that they hadn't really been playing. Um, and the that was the last show of the North American tour was at Aust- in Austin. And um, that's when they played Head on Pill for 21 minutes, 22 minutes, I think. And that was at the time, uh, that was the longest they had ever played Head on Pill. And that's my favorite Giz song. So that was a really special thing. <clears throat> yeah dude oh man i so I, i've seen them five times and not once oh, shit. head on pill and like that's that's my white whale that's that's why i bought tickets to all three marathon shows just so i could get my head on pill um and uh and i mean obviously the rest of it would be pretty great too but uh, i really want yeah. i needed to see head on pill um but uh yeah so like, like of those uh um like older songs that they saw him play. Uh, do, do you remember which ones they were? Um, it, well, it, it was cool because <clears throat> that's when they were doing, I think they still do the medleys. So they would throw in older songs yeah. um, in, in the long jam of Head on Pill. And the oldest... Oh, one, right, yeah. Yeah, and the oldest one they did in that was uh, Sea of Trees off 12 Bar. And... Mm-hmm. Um, God, they played it for like a short amount of time, but I swear, like it was one of the most magical things because I was like, "Ah, oh, man, their first album, they're playing a snippet of a song off their first album, and this is incredible." I just remember thinking that that was the only thing going through my mind. I was just blown away. <laughs> that's that's really cool. Like, because um, I I remember they did that. Um, like like they included "See a Tree" as "Am I in Heaven" in the. Uh, in the head on pill that they did in Brooklyn, uh, which like I went to the, so they, so 2018, they played three shows in Brooklyn. I went to the first and the third show, but the second one they played head on pill. And I, I had to find out the hard way when they, uh, which was actually a good way. Cause they released, um, they released like a free live recording of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, it, it was, it was awesome. So I've, you know, I, I at least got to hear what head on sounds like live. Um, yeah. and just hearing Sea of Trees in there was just kind of mind blowing as well. Uh, and actually that hearing it, hearing Sea of Trees in, in Head on Pill, uh, that really opened my eyes to, uh, to 12 Bar because I hadn't really explored that too much when I first got into Giz, but you know, mm-hmm. then, uh, like, like an F, um, you know, I, I, I guess like what is it, eight months after I got into them, that's when I started to give 12 Bar a little more, uh, you know, a little more uh, time on Spotify. And yeah. Sea of Trees is just one of the best songs on that album. It, like, the whole album is great. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. But, um, yeah. That so, uh, you know, 
you you mentioned Murder of the Universe being your your favorite album from twenty seven uh yeah from twenty seventeen. Um does it hold up as your favorite album of all or uh No. Um I my favorite album by them would probably be Float Along Fill Your Lungs. Um just cause it's a good pick. Yeah, just cause when I first started listening to them, um before they released Mind Fuzz, um I had really those three albums that were on Spotify, the 12 bar augments and float along. Um, but of those three float along was the one that really got my attention the most. And I was just like, man, this, <clears throat> what is it? 16 minute long head on pill, like intro. That's so, yeah. that's just so insane that they would do that. Um, so yeah, that album really reeled me in. And to this day, it, it probably is my favorite. Yeah. Um, yeah, that album is, uh, it, it's kind of insane that that was, you know, just their, what, what was that, their third album, right? Um, uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's just nuts, because, like, Head on Pill is, is just a masterpiece. But also, like, uh, there are so many songs on that album that I wish I could see them play live. Like, uh, you know, 30 Past 7 is probably my second favorite song on that, um, on the album. Oh, yeah, um, definitely, it's a good one. And uh, yeah, Mystery Jack, Pop My Step, like like th- there's, like the the only song in that album that I you know, I either don't care for or ambivalent toward is uh, I'm not a man unless I have a woman, which was sort of my, the inspiration for the podcast name. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> just just because like this whole thing is basically a shit post uh, <laughs> of a pod, but um, uh, but you know it, it's but, but it's a lot of fun too, like it. It showed just how, you know, you know, uh, meat and potatoes are willing to get, um, you know, w- with their with their stuff. Even though I absolutely hate using that terminology, <laughs> yeah, I think that's. I think they made that song as a joke, obviously, because like, it's just so random and funny. Um, and I think it's hilarious how Alex yeah. is the woman in the song. It's just, it's great. I think it's just a parody. Yeah, of those kinds of songs that that's sort of what i what i thought of it as well but then they did add some really cool like yeah okay that makes a lot of sense i haven't quite thought of it as a parody Mm -hmm. but um considering that it is a parody they've got some pretty good jams in that like the uh i mean just the guitar solo in the bridge like that that's yeah you know that okay i i think you might have shifted my mind a little bit on on the genius of that song uh, <laughs> uh love when that happens um so when you've been at these shows have, have you been going with uh like do you have other friends that you're giz heads with or uh or are you just kind of a lone wolf on this no yeah um i w- the first show i went with uh my buddy wesley and justin um but me and me and wesley are we're really really big giz heads um, ever since 2014. Nice. Um, and then when we found out that there was a Facebook page for them, we joined and, um, we used to be really active, um, in the earlier days, like in 2017, we we're really mm-hmm. active and stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, we still are, um, not as much in the page, but we're still, um, wholeheartedly keeping up with King Gizzard and everything that they do. So, uh, oh, the yeah. second show, well, I mean, the, uh, you're- Oh, sorry. What were you saying? 
No, 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 please. please. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say the second show I went with my girlfriend because um, I am lucky enough that she also got into Giz when I showed them to her. I was kind of hesitant to show her because I'm like, oh, this is going to be my weird side, all this psych music. She's going to be, uh, you know, repelled from me. But um, thankfully, yeah. she uh, she was a big fan, too, and she absolutely loved that show. Oh, that's sick, man. Yeah. That's great. Um, have you have you gotten to like meet other people just like through the band, uh, just like like at the shows and stuff? Yeah, um, at the first show in Austin, we met a few people, really cool guys waiting in line, um, and they had brought in a bunch of cool flightless pressings of uh, their vinyl, and we're just like, wow, because um, I don't have a Pi Pi vinyl, unfortunately, I refused to pull the trigger back then for some stupid reason on yep. laugh about life and cosmic blip when it was still on the flightless site. Um, and he had them to get signed by cook. And I was just like, God damn it. You know, I was so envious, but yeah, um, those were, yeah. we met um, a few cool dudes over there in line, which is cool. Yeah. That's, that's sick. I, I mean like that, that's honestly my favorite part about, well, I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite part about being a Giz head, like obviously the music, but like, I, I just love talking with, uh, anybody else that's as into their stuff as me um you know it's it's like it's really cool because none of my friends uh <clears throat> really care much for music anyway uh <laughs> like it, it, it's so weird like i'm i'm like this you know eccentric artsy uh you know music guy mm -hmm. just amongst a, a friend a friend group of, of just total you know squares and like you know, more or less conservative people, but it's, um, yeah, it, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, um, I think being, I mean, obviously anybody can enjoy Giz's music and be really into them and love their music. Um, but I think if you have a knowledge of music, like me and my buddy Wesley and Justin and my girlfriend, uh, we were all percussionists in band and, uh, we kind of grew up like through middle school and high school in band. Um, and so hearing their different styles and more of their complex stuff, like um, Polygon Duanaland, um, even when Quarter yeah. came out, we were just like, wow, like this is really cool, like jazzy stuff. Um, Murder of the Universe, even with their um, the drumming on that album is just incredible. <clears throat> yeah, I, I mean, I definitely recommend Giz to any anybody that I meet that's a drummer um oh yeah and uh like, like i yeah i mean like 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 I, I live in in joshua tree uh california and and we do have a pretty good music scene here so i do meet these people quite a bit and i always like if i'm playing an open mic or something i'll usually play a giz tune and i'll i'll end up meeting uh these other musicians and uh and they'll be like hey what was that one song you played and i was like oh yeah it's uh, king gets rid of the lizard wizard and um and like it's it's just fascinating um Cause like, like I'm a guitarist mm -hmm. and I have almost no sense of rhythm, um, <laughs> but I, but King is has definitely gotten me into, uh, you know, like sort of understanding music theory a little better as well as understanding rhythm and, um, uh, and, and time signatures and all this, you know, polyrhythms I'd never even, you know, considered before. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it's, yeah. Like it makes a lot of sense now that like if, if the three of you were percussionists yeah no shit this is like the, the band for you guys yeah yeah it was real cool um 2017 was a good year for the drumming 
um, on Giz albums. I, I think every single album, um, well, at least um, the middle three, so Murder of the Universe, uh, Sketches, and Polly, those those three albums, in terms of drums alone, it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the... Uh... I don't the, the drumming on on Flying Microtonal Banana I just uh I really liked just cuz like they're able to maintain the whole trance like uh you know sound of the album um I mean cuz the like the beat in Open Water is my favorite Giz drum beat of you know in, in their entire discography mm-hmm. um just just cuz like it really sounds like the ocean you know yeah um and uh uh Flying Microtonal Yeah but yeah, it's definitely a good one for drums. I, I especially, um, I remember the first time hearing uh, 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 Nuclear Fusion with headphones and hearing the uh-huh. the split up hi-hats. So like one was on the downbeats and one was on the upbeats. I was just like, wow, that's that's inventive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you know what else I really liked uh, that I think is kind of underrated is the drumming on uh, Paper Mache Dream Balloon. Oh yeah, definitely. Like that's uh, like like especially in uh, most of what I like, just the uh, like how how the toms are are you know stereoed, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it's and, and I guess the hi hats are as well. Like like every other like they alternate left right for each hi hat. Um, yeah. Uh, hit whatever you call it. I'm a guitarist. Don't know shit about drums. Can't play them. <laughs> uh, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like like the, but I can recognize good drumming, and and paper mache totally has that, and, and like I've, that, that's one of my favorite parts of that album. It's just yeah, because it's weird that that there would be an acoustic album where the drums might be the most fascinating part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that's a, that's a really um, clean sounding album overall. I remember at the time mm-hmm. when that album came out, I was just like, wow, this sounds really. Um, almost hi-fi compared to like the rest of their stuff um quarters quarters was um pretty clean sounding too but i think paper mache um at the time was the most um i guess refined in terms of mixing that may not necessarily be true but that's just how it sounded well i think yeah yeah i i I think i agree with that because like you know they probably weren't using um you know, like, like it, I think they were using different vocal mics, you know, because I know with uh, with with most of the other albums, um, Stu used a, a Shure SM57 mic, which handles like, you know, all the really uh, uh, loud vocal effects he used, he makes. Yeah. Um, and, and there was really none of that on on, you know, paper mache. So it, it would make sense that like they would want a really clean sound for, you know, for that acoustic, for the acoustic album. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and quarters, yeah, that was pretty clean as well. Um, although the, uh, but but I think they did maintain a, a little element of garage rock with it, just in, in that, uh, like it, it was it was basically like garage jazz, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I can see that's a that's a pretty good way of describing how that album sounds. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah. So so do you play in a band yourself? Uh, I do. We are currently on a hiatus due to recent circumstances, but we've been trying to write some more. Yep. Um, we're with all this nice. time that we have on our hands now. We're we've been uh, 
trying to come up with a few new things. But uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, um, uh, do you guys have any music that's out uh, you know, on SoundCloud or Spotify or anything? Um, I think we have two songs on Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Okay. Uh, we're called Minced Mice. Um, like Minced Mice? Minced Mice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice. But I wouldn't highly recommend listening to the two songs we have out because... <laughs> um, they sound like absolute garbage um, because we didn't know oh, we didn't what the hell we were doing. And we're just like, oh, yeah, let's set up a microphone and play right into it and just release it. Um, so we definitely were with the new stuff we're doing. We're trying to be more refined, but I don't know. We'll see where it goes. Yeah, that, I mean, that's cool. It's, number one, it's a great band name, uh, but also I, I do I do like that concept of, of just like, you know, because like, like I, I played in a band in high school and we sort of did that, you know, just like stuck a microphone uh, in, in the corner of the room and, um, you know, and just hope for the best. Uh, like, I, I kind of like that, you know, because um, like it might not sound amazing, but, but, you know, it, it's like the, the artistry that goes into it or something like that. I don't know. I'm, but, but, you know, when you say don't check it out, it's like, I'm going to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> so i i think uh you're onto something if uh if, if you're if that's the kind of marketing you're yeah doing. it's kind of like a primus sucks so you're just like oh i want to see how much they suck um exactly <laughs> um but uh yeah, yeah um so i, I guess we're, we'll we'll wrap this up pretty soon but um i guess uh one thing you know that i i guess i'll leave this off um What's something that you want to hear from King Giz, uh in in a future release? That's a really or or have you even thought that far? Is there any like do you think you could imagine a, another sound for for the? Band? I used to think that um, around the um, what is it like twenty sixteen range um, when mm-hmm. I guess when Nonagon came out that was the album of the year for Giz. Um, I used to think like, man, it'd be cool if they went in this direction. And um, it's weird. At the time, I was like, oh, man, I want them to do more of a, like a quarters-esque thing. Um, and I guess they kind of touched on um, And then with Monogon, it just kind of, um, that was their heaviest thing to date. And it was like, me and my friend uh, would just be like, man, it'd be cool if they made like a, a heavier thing than this. Um, and then <laughs> fast forward years later, um, Infest the Rats Nest comes out and blows everybody away. But um, in terms of what I would want next, I don't really know. Um, I just, I'm looking forward to whatever it is. I was wondering if um, um, Chunky, Chunky Shrapnel, if that, um, like the songs that he has, the interludes in between songs, the ones that Stu did on his own. I was wondering if that yeah. was any sort of precursor to what's to come. Um, but then again, I was like, oh, I don't, yeah, I'm not I, sure they would do that um, because how unpredictable Giz is. That could just be a one-off thing that it seems like um, that's what Stu just did. He was just like, all right, I'll just bring in a, a synth and then just mess around with it while the album, while the movie's playing. Um, and that's really what he did. Yeah. Um, so um, I don't know. It's just, it's, yeah, I could definitely yeah. see that. 
yeah, I, I could definitely see that um, that being like, yeah, you never know, because like they do sort of one offy stuff like that, you know, from time to time. Um, but at the same time, like I know Joey's like, like Joey's got his bullet uh, project and, um, you know, which isn't really my cup of tea, but I do think it's cool how he's also just constantly messing around on a synth. And uh, like just before Infest the Rat's Nest came out, did you see that uh, that like really lo-fi uh, o- online game, uh, Mars yeah, Rich yeah. came out? Um, yeah, and, and like if you fell off the edge, I was or a little bull and one of Joey's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like th- that bullet track, I, I forget what it was, um, but like that started playing. So that was sort of a teaser for that. So you never yeah. know. I think another like little um, foreshadowing, I guess, of what was to come from Joey, you could have found on um, Fishing for Fishies on Acarine, Um That really, like, oh, that yeah. techno part at the end, I guess techno-esque part at the end, um, that was very, that's very reminiscent of Bullant looking back now. Um, so I guess you could have seen mm-hmm. that as a sort of foreshadowing of what was to come from Joey. Yeah, definitely. I mean that. Yeah, Joey had a lot of really cool uh, little riffs that he they threw into uh, fishies. Um, I mean, like like this thing is is probably my favorite song. That well, maybe not my favorite song in that one, but it's one of my favorites. Yeah, um, that's a good one. And uh, yeah, and then also the 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 guitar solo in Boogeyman Sam is just like a a fun silly time. And I'm pretty sure Joey wrote that, um, or like like the the guitar solo to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah. Anyway, Corey, it's been absolutely great having you on the podcast. Yeah, man. It was fun. Thanks for having me. I love, uh, I love talking about Giz. So, um, it was really fun to do it with you. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Take it easy. Yeah, you too. Have a good one.